ಓಸುಸುತಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನಂ ದೇವಕೀಪರಮಂದಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ದ ನೈನ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ವಿ ವೇರ್ ಆನ್ verse number 8 i think we had done verse number 8 is that right yes so if you remember krishna had said something very profound on verses 5 and 6 um 4 and 5 4 and 5 actually there he says that um i pervade all beings i god am in all beings uh, the ultimate reality god of this universe if you say where is he he is in all beings in all living beings in all no, so called non living things everywhere that lord is there that the divinity is there so vivekananda swami vivekananda said we hindus worship a transcendent immanent god um, god is beyond this universe beyond time and space and causation uh, beyond form at the same time immanent what is this universe this universe of causation this universe of of forms of living beings of non living entities of change of karma cause and effect of um, birth and death creation and destruction of enjoyment and suffering this universe the that transcendent reality is also immanent immanent means present within this universe and so krishna says maya tatam idam sarvam i pervade everything how i don't see you pervading anything where is god we see this world but we don't see god so abhyakta murti in my unmanifest form as awareness as pure being pure being pure awareness present everywhere um then he says consider this little more deeply it's not that i am in all beings it's not that this universe is there and somehow i am in them rather i am the very existence the very being of all these beings what does that mean that sounds very very philosophical metaphysical um it is very philosophical very metaphysical but it's not that difficult to understand in the ocean would you say that water you know if water says i pervade all the waves i am in all the waves yes that's right but if you like to take a closer look it would be more accurate to say all the waves are in water water is the reality in which the wave form and movement appears and you give it a name a wave it's not that there is a wave and then you pump some water into it rather it's water itself which appears as a wave so all the waves are in water similarly he says i am that one existence in which all existing things appear and play around and disappear and then he goes further uh, in the fifth verse a stunning reversal he says nachamatsthani bhutani pashyame yogam aishwaram all these beings are in me not really these beings are not in me look upon the marvel this magical power of my maya what does this mean is it true that there are things called waves in water apart from water are there entities called waves no not really it's the water itself now i'm not denying that there are waves but that wave is nothing different from the water itself it's a new form a new name and a new kind of behavior you call it a wave 
you call it a, a you know foam or surf but all throughout whether there is a wave or no wave all throughout what was there was water was water water was the only thing that existed at any time you might say but really swami the wave did exist yes but it's a kind of dependent existence and appearance in water similarly krishna says the universe is an appearance in me so three stages three very uh, step step by step first where is god everywhere in everything imperceptibly uh, unmanifest as pure being or pure awareness okay great and immediately says no wait number 2 that all i am not in all beings he reverses what he first said he just reverses the same thing in the next sentence all beings are in me this is a deeper way of looking at it i am and all beings are in me and then three all beings are not in me oh so they are outside you no they are not they are not i am as vivekananda said not that everything is god everything is not god alone is so that's an even more radical statement so this was said and then he gave the example of the sky pervading everything and then in 7th and 8th verses sarvabhutani kaunteya prakritim yanti mamikam kalpakshaye punas punastani kalpado visrajamya aham all these beings all sentient beings and this non living universe all of this proceeds forth from me how because i am the material cause the thing out of which all of this is made the stuff of this universe at the um, kalpakshaye the word itself is so poetic at the decay of the ages and the end of times uh, i uh, absorb all of them they all dissolve back into me the entire universe dissolves back into me into me means into my unmanifest form as pure being or pure consciousness so you stay as pure being or pure consciousness now one has to be careful there yes but pure being or pure consciousness sat or chit is not a thing so it's not that when the universe goes away and if you look around if nobody can look around so there will be something called pure consciousness it's not something reality exists without being manifest as anything at all that's the end of the universe but that's not the end uh, uh, completely the end because it begins all over again kalpado visrijamyaham at the beginning of kalp by the beginning of time i i project everything forth again so time space causality that becomes the stage on which the a new show of the universe begins again then how do i do this number 8 i'm not only the material cause of this universe but i'm what is called the instrumental cause the the intelligence behind this universe prakritim swam avashtabhya visrijami punah puna bhuta gramam imam kritsnam avasham prakritir vashat it was the eighth verse by my prakriti or my power maya prakriti they are the same in vedanta prakriti is a sankhyan word but in vedanta prakriti maya basically the power of god power of brahman by that i uh, i uh, set forth this universe the the process of creation existence and ultimate cosm- cosmic dissolution and again creation again or projection again all of that goes cycles back and forth and he says helplessly and this is our condition as sentient beings those who are in the realm of maya do, we do not know ourselves as a true nature we are actually helpless 
We are caught in this machine of Maya. Our past karma is upon us. We are being, um, we are being swept away helplessly from day to day, year to year, through the ages of our life, from life to death to life again. So, um, so this, this cycle goes on. And this is what is samsara. We are caught in samsara. How do you get free of it? How do you become not helpless? By knowledge, by realization of who or what we truly are. Then you are independent. You are free of this machine. Now, ninth verse. The ninth verse, Krishna says, Nachamam tani karmani nibadnanti dhananjaya udasina vadasinam asaktam teshu karmasu those actions, Arjuna, bind me not. I am, as it were, indifferent to them all, being unattached to them. Now the question will be that, um, oh, so you are the culprit, uh, the cosmic culprit. You are behind all of this. God is, in every theistic religion which believes in God, one common factor is God is the creator of this universe. God is behind this universe, everything. So God is the culprit. God is responsible for everything that's happening here. You, um, so for all the partiality, for all the suffering, for all the misery that's going on here, um, it is God who is responsible. That's number one. In that case, God is responsible for so much suffering, so much uh, evil and this is one of the, uh, the arguments ex against the existence of God. Those who are atheists will say, you say God is all-powerful and God is all-good and loving. How can an all-powerful and loving God cause such a world full of so much suffering? The, the balance is on the side of suffering. Which is, there's good and evil. There's suffering and enjoyment. But um, the good or the, the, the enjoyment is not equal to the evil and the suffering. It seems to be much more terrible, then it is um, really nice and pleasant. So why? Why would the God create such a thing? Now, if you say God is helpless, God is not powerful enough to make it good, that's one answer. Or another answer could be God is all-powerful, but God is not good. So God may do good things, may do bad things, like a, an absolute dictator. Who knows? In that case, also, there is no problem. But the problem of evil, this is a big problem in the philosophy of religion. It's called the problem of evil, problem of suffering. That arises if God is all-powerful and God is all-good. Two things together, it doesn't, then how could such a God create such, such an universe? That is the question. And that question is raised here. Not only that, an additional question. In, um, in Indian philosophies, if you do karma, you're bound by karma, like all of us. What's happening to us is as a result of what we have done. All the good that we have done, all the bad that we have done, all the mixed stuff we have done, it's all coming back to us as the result of karma. If you ask, what is the result of my karma? Look around you. That's the result. Look at the people around you. Look at the world around you. And look at your own history, your biodata, what has happened to you in life, what's happening right now. Look at your body itself. All of this. 
all of this is the result of our past karma. It's something that we have constructed ourselves. Shankaracharya will give the, the stunning example of a silkworm, which spins a cocoon, and then it is trapped in that. Um, in that case, if God is the doer of not only just one little bit of work like we do, but this massive mega project of creating and destroying universes, then God will be caught in karma also. If by doing things we are caught by that, then God is also affected by karma because the God does a lot of karma. God is the creator, preserver, destroyer of the entire universe. Universes, not even one universe. So both of these, what are these two doubts? One is, how could such a God permit all this? And second question would be, so isn't God trapped by his own karma like we are trapped by our own karma? And Krishna gives the answer to these questions here. Yes, I create, preserve and destroy this universe and yet I do not. He says, none of them, none of these actions affect me. Nor am I really the doer of these actions. He says, I am, the, I am like a witness, like um, a person neutral who is watching. If you watch um, a film, if you watch a theatrical performance, you are not responsible for what's happening on stage. But you know what's going on. Similarly, uh, God says, it's my, Krishna says, it's in my presence as being, in my presence as consciousness. All of this happens. And yet, I am not the doer. So hence, I am not responsible or caught by this cycle of karma, this massive game that is going on. I am not caught by that. Um, this creation and the existence and the disappearance of the universe, how it happens, one of the Upanishads, which we will do in time, I hopefully, Mundaka Upanishad, it gives a very well-known examples, three examples. The example of the spider and the web, that's one example. The example of, uh, of um, the earth from which plants and trees emerge, second example. Third example is the human body from which spontaneously hair emerges. So, just like that, from the imperishable ultimate reality, the universe emerges. So that's the poetry of the Upanishads. It goes like this. So as from a spider, as from a spider, As from a spider, web is produced and it disappears. You can retract a web. But then we might say, so the spider is a very good example um, that, um, you know, the spider produces the web from itself, from its own body. So its own body produce, it provides the material of the web. And as a conscious sentient being, the spider is sort of the creator of the web. So there's a good example for God who produces the universe out of himself, herself, itself, and also is the intelligence behind this universe. So a good example. In technical Vedantic terms, it is called Abhinna Nimitta Upadana Karana, the one indivisible, instrumental and material cause of the universe. Okay, great. But the spider works really hard to make its web. And we sort of vacuum it or sweep it aside every uh, when we have, we have a cleaning day. So is 
God, does God have to work really hard to make this universe? No. The second example, as from the earth, beings uh, emerge, living beings emerge, um, which are, and earth doesn't have to put forth effort. It is effortlessly it emerges. Um, then the question might be, all right, but um, living beings, they are living. And the earth itself is an insentient thing. You know, it's, it's, um, it's not a living being as such. So is Brahman or the ultimate reality some kind of physical force, power, and not a living, not a sentient being? Uh, like we think a personal God is, you know, someone who uh, thinks, feels, responds. No. Is it just like a machine? No. The third example is, like from a living human body, this hair emerges. And so hair and dead cells and nails, they come from a living body and they emerge spontaneously, effortlessly. And they are of a different nature. So from living body, dead cells emerge. Um, they, so the hair, it's not living uh, because if it were, you wouldn't go for a haircut. You'd be terrified of a haircut. So these are the three examples. Exactly, examples for what? So it's not about spiders, not about um, uh, plants and uh, trees. It's not about hair, haircuts. It's about the ultimate reality Brahman from which the universe appears. So it's like that. Tatha aksharat. Akshara means the imper imperishable. From the imperishable emerges, manifests, ihavishva, this manifest universe. And you can imagine a lot of philosophical argumentation goes on into this. What exactly does it mean manifest? What exactly does it mean creation? And Advaitins have their own take, non-dualists, that it's an appearance. It's not, not that there's some real change. And there's a funny thing about it, one British uh, Indologist, long ago, when he came across these texts from Sanskrit, he translated into English, and he said, the Hindus worship a, a spider. So, God is a spider for the Hindus. No, in spite of all the various icons and forms in which we Hindus worship God, spider is not one of them. So it's an example. The Sanskrit says yatha, just like. It's an example. It doesn't say that God is a spider. All right. But Krishna says all of this happens because I am present as pure being or pure consciousness. It's not that I am like this, some kind of operator of a machine doing terrible things or the director of a movie, you know, putting the characters in, in trouble and or tragedy and suffering, you know, the cosmic director and we are all actors in this tragedy of this cosmos. No, not like that. God is not sadistic. God makes all of this possible. Brahman, Krishna says, as Brahman, I make all of this possible. However, I am not a personal doer in Sanskrit, karta. I'm not a doer. In my presence, it happens. No more than the sun shining is responsible for, you know, because of sun shining, all of life exists here. But the sun is not making us um, suffer and fight. And Then why? Then why is there so much suffering? So the whole thing is put back upon us. It is our karma. It is what we do. And then one might say, yes, but God has set it up such that we, we do awful things. And so we suffer. God is not entirely off the hook. You know? God has designed us in such a way that we perform bad karma and we suffer for the results. God could have made a better universe. 
Why, why didn't God make a better universe where everybody would be wise and they would do all the good karma and then everything would go, go well. All the right causes would be set in motion. So the effects, the consequences would be good in general. God could have still, God could have still made a better universe than he has. I understand God is not the doer of it, but God being omnipotent could still have, you know, the presence of God could have generated a better universe. We could have been better people. And the answer to that is, this is a funny answer, that God actually did try to make a better universe. It didn't work. This is a funny story from the Puranas. So Brahma, uh, Brahma is not Brahman. Brahma is like the, like the contractor who, you know, God gives the contract to, to make the universe. So uh, Brahma makes this first trial, the first pass at making a universe. He made these sages uh, who were, the moment they are, they are all manifested. There's nothing to be born from, no parents. They just, just appeared. The universe and these sages appeared. They're all perfected beings. And they looked around. Where's this? And they looked at, they had bodies and there's this universe. What's this nonsense? We are Brahman itself. We know we are enlightened. So they immediately sat down in, in Samadhi and disappeared. <laughs> so it didn't work. The universe, there's nobody left in the universe. So... God thought, what could he do? Brahma. From next time onwards, he created these beings with a mixture of sattva, rajas and tamas, all the gunas. Um, and uh, they did good things, neutral things and bad things. And since, since then, the universe has been humming along quite nicely. Anyway. Um, but the consequence of that is that since God is not the doer, God is not trapped in action also. He says, as one neutral, I exist. I shine. The whole universe exists because of me. But it's not that I am like some machine operator doing everything and then I'll be caught by my own karma. He's not caught by his own karma, nor is he responsible for it. Who is responsible? We are. The, that's the funny answer. Brahma tried to create a good universe, but couldn't. It didn't work. But the real answer is, what's the real answer to this problem of misery and suffering? The real answer is knowledge. God has created both Vidya Maya and Avidya Maya. Uh, so we, we can be trapped in samsara and suffer, but we can also come out of it. That's why spirituality exists. That's why spiritual teachers through the centuries have come and taught. And they have shown it is possible to go beyond suffering. If suffering is our doing. And we can get out of the door from away from suffering, the door to escape this suffering and have a much better life. Much more deep, meaningful, peaceful, happy life is entirely up to us. So that's also there. Sri Ramakrishna used to call it Vidya Maya and Avidya Maya. Both are Maya, the good and the bad, the spiritual and the material. One can be caught in the bad, one can be caught in the materialistic world and suffer in ignorance, in sin, in... Um, and destructiveness, or one can spiritualize one's life and rise above this and become a blessing to oneself and to everybody else. That's also there. All of it is there. In fact, even older than this idea of Brahman and Maya is the Prakriti idea of the Sankhyans. You know, the idea in Sankhya, Prakriti nature was supposed to do two things for you. For all sentient beings, Prakriti or nature does two things. The two words are bhoga and apavarga. Bhoga means experience. It's often translated in our books as enjoyment. 
but it's hardly enjoyment. It also includes pain and suffering. Bhoga just literally means experience. So we are experiencing this world. And uh, there is misery, there is happiness, there is chasing after fulfillment. And then once we have had our fill, same prakriti, same nature, sets us on a spiritual path towards the ancient word was apavarga. The new word for that later became moksha, nirvana, all these you know, Vedanta, Buddhism. But a much more ancient word was apavarga, which is spiritual freedom. So both of these are provided by nature. We are on the second path now, because just by the fact that we are, on, we are in class, we are, we are on this second path towards spiritual freedom. Um, let me read a little bit from Shankara's commentary on this. He makes some nice points. How is Krishna, how is God not affected? He says, Udasi in Upekshaka, just as a neutral person, as a witness. Asinam, sitting like a witness who watching, who's watching something. Remember, the witness is separate from what he or she is watching. But here, the God is not separate from what he or she is watching. And that he, she or it. It is all an appearance in God. So, why would this be so? Atmana avikriyatva. Because the self, pure consciousness, pure being, is beyond change. So, is it something that's not changing? It's not even changeless. It's beyond the concept of change or changelessness. It's not involved in this world of cause and effect, time and space. Because of that, there's no question of it, the ultimate reality, doing anything. Asaktam, unattached. Unattached means, Shankaracharya says, halasangarahitam, not afflicted, not attached to results of karma. At the level of Krishna, so, ultimate reality, pure consciousness, pure being, that's one thing. But what about us persons? This is the important teaching here. Look, that ultimate reality, God, appears as the incarnation, just like us, a human being. It appears as a human being. Now, how does Krishna act? Shankaracharya remarks here, Abhimana vajitam aham karomi ititeshu karmasu. Krishna does a lot of activity with the body. Busy. And yet, he says, has no feeling like I am the doer of these things. And that gives us a clue how to live in this world. You are the witness consciousness. With the mind, with the senses and the body, you can act, be engaged in, in doing everything in life. Secular work, religious activities, in family, um, in your job, all of that. And yet with the attitude of a witness and you won't be trapped. Uh, he says that, and Shankaracharya makes this point, that others can learn from this. We can all learn from this. Anyasyapi, and for others, other than Krishna. Katritva abhimana bhava, phalasanga bhavascha, asambandha karanam. So you will not be attached, trapped in the, in the machinery of karma if you give up, if you take the, the attitude of the witness consciousness. Otherwise, what will happen? The downside, the other side of it. Anyatha. Shankaracharya. I'm reading from Shankaracharya. Anyatha. Otherwise, karma bhihi badhyate. You will be trapped by karma. Causality. Trapped by causality. 
Muraha, the fool. Why is he abusing us? Why is he calling us fools? He says, Koshakaravat Ityavipraya, like a silkworm trapped in the cocoon. It spins the cocoon around itself, like we spin webs of our own karma. Then we are trapped. We can't get out of it. We think at a subtle level, thinking certain patterns of thoughts. And suddenly we see within months, years, those patterns become so strong. They're all in our head. And yet they're just so gossamer thin, like silken strands, even more subtle than silk. And yet they're so strong, we can't get out of it. Repetitive patterns of thought, talking, mental talk. And then expressed in talk. And then expressed in action. And we spin these webs around ourselves and soon we are trapped. It's very difficult to break out of them. That old, there was an old Hindi film song which said, the Hindi lines were, Kahi koi zanjeer nahi, fir bhi badhe hue hai sab. There are no chains in sight and yet everybody is, is, is tied down, is, is in shackles. You can't see any chains anywhere. They seem to be free. They aren't. None of them are free. They are all in shackles. Vivekananda says, whosoever wears a form, wears the chain too. And he says, it could be a golden chain, it could be an iron chain. For chains made of gold are not less strong to bind. It could be a really nice life. It could be, things would be going well, still trapped. Well, I would be happy to be trapped in a nice life. But it won't be nice for very long. First of all, even when it's nice, it's not fully satisfying. It's not deep. It's not deeply, profoundly satisfying. One can become quite unhappy in one's cocoon, even if it's nice and comfy in there. And not only that, it won't remain nice and comfy for long. Remember, everything is being produced by karma. Our, you had your congratulations, you had some good karma, and that's producing the nice, you know, the golden chain with which you have wrapped yourself with the cocoon. But that karma will soon get exhausted, and then bad karma will kick in, and then it'll be an iron chain of pain and suffering and misery. So this is the ninth verse. And then the tenth verse. Mayadhyakshena prakriti suyate sacharacharam hetunane nakaunteya jagad viparivartate. Due to me, this one consciousness present, nature gives birth to these worlds of mobile and immobile things, moving and unmoving worlds of all these beings in this world. And because of nature, because of prakriti, all this diversity. You're one pure consciousness, Satchitananda. How did this diversity come? If you're just one reality, why do things are, why are there good people and bad people? Why are there uh, this beauty and ugliness? Why is there so much change? All of it is due to Maya. And I am the reality behind Maya. And Shankaracharya makes this point again and again. Drishi matra swarupena. See, I supervise all this. The word in Sanskrit, Adhyaksha, supervisor. So you get a feeling of, so God is some big boss up in the sky, the supervisor. And uh, 
So he's responsible for all of it. And Shankaracharya makes the um, point that supervisor here just means pure consciousness, as being, as awareness. Drishi Matra Swarupa, as pure, pure consciousness. The word is instructive. Drishi is the seer, drik. Drishi Matra, seer only. Seer only means seer only minus the seen object. The seen object, why minus the seen object? Because the seen object is not a separate object apart from the seer. It's an appearance in the seer. Just like all the stuff that we experience in dreams. You see things, you hear things. You may smell, taste, touch things in dreams. All of them are nothing but your mind. That, that's what's appearing in the dream. Similarly, it's because of maya, prakriti, whatever you call it. In that one pure consciousness, this variety of this world appears. Then he quotes a powerful verse from the Shvetashvatar Upanishad. Who quotes? Shankaracharya, not Krishna. Eko deva sarva bhuteshu gudha sarva vyapi sarva bhutantaratma karmadhyaksha sarva bhutadhivasa sakshi cheta kevala nirgunascha. One deva. Eko means one. One. Deva, bright one. What is the bright one? Consciousness. So how many consciousnesses? Eka, one consciousness. And I will not go into the arguments. We have talked about it many times. Why is there only one consciousness? And why not many? Bodies are many. Minds are many. If consciousness is one. Where is this one consciousness? Sarva Bhuteshu Guraha. Hidden deep in all sentient beings. Sarva Vyapi, beyond sentient beings, not just it's somewhere in, inside us in the brains, no, it's manifest there, but beyond everywhere. It's a beautiful example we talked about in the Kathopanishad class of heat and fire. So the heat as radiation, heat everywhere is there, everywhere in the universe. Only in some places it bursts into flame, you know, like a forest fire or a cooking fire or something. But heat is there everywhere in atmosphere. Even in some sense in deep space, there's a base level of uh, heat also. Coming from solar radiation, the radiation of the stars. So, heat is there. But flame and fire in some places. Similarly, basically consciousness or being is there everywhere. But it bursts into flame as it were in sentient beings. Where there is, a, where there is life and a body and a mind. And this is so close to some of the cutting edge thinking on pure consciousness. Unconsciousness. And, and especially Ternoni's in integrated information theory which talks about the possibility of a basal consciousness in every even fundamental particles of this universe um, i don't know how they make sense of it from a physics perspective but they do that they're, they're actually seriously talking about it now um sarvavyapi so in all beings and beyond these beings also sarvavyapi pervading space and the cosmos everywhere sarvabhutantaratma it, it constitutes the very self of all beings. If you investigate yourself, who am I, what am I, self, investigation of the self, start with the body, then see what constitutes the self of this body, prana, life itself, what constitutes would go deeper, inward to life, inward to the breath, you'll find mind, closer to you. What would you rather be, a body, a mindless body in deep coma or a mind without a body? You would rather be a mind because you are a mind after all. What is deeper than the mind, inner to the mind, it is the intellect which understands the contents of the mind also, which can reflect on everything. What is deeper and inner to the intellect? Consciousness. 
I'm skipping over the causal body, of course, but anyway, consciousness. And then this very consciousness, karmadhyaksha, it is the supervisor of all karma. It is the, uh, the witness, the, the one which makes all activity in this universe possible. Just as the dreamer's mind in the dream makes all activities in the dream possible, good and bad, and without being affected by the dream. So in the dream, if you are running away from a tiger going to attack you, uh, when you wake up, you're perfectly fine. Um, where do you find this? Sarva Bhutadhivasa. It's a very beautiful word. Um, you know, installed. It's like Adhivasa is when a deity is installed in an image. In fact, in Durga Puja, the first thing that you do is Adhivasa. Amantrana and Adhivasa. Before the puja starts, you invite the Divine Mother. And then install or invoke the Divine Presence in the image. in a multi-step process. So this is invoked, the divinity is invoked where? In us, in all, Sarva Bhuta, in all sentient beings. How? Where exactly? In the heart, in the liver, in the lungs, where exactly is this divinity within us? Sakshi, witness consciousness. Cheta. Cheta here means that which transfers, con makes conscious, transfers consciousness. So our, it's not that we are just pure consciousness. Our minds feel conscious. That's why consciousness study mostly studies the mind. Our senses feel conscious. Our whole body feels conscious. There's an enlivening process. Consciousness is something that is not, it not, doesn't remain alien and separate. But it sort of, um, our mind borrows consciousness from the reflected consciousness in the mind. And then the senses borrow consciousness from the mind. The whole body feels conscious. Uh, but it's borrowed consciousness. Body doesn't have consciousness of its own. Kevala. One alone. I'm not going to the metaphysics of it. And finally it says, Nirgunascha. Beyond all attributes. Neither body, nor mind, nor universe, nor life, nor death. It is being alone, pure awareness alone, and completely ever, ever fulfilled. That's what you are. Tattva Masi. Very powerful mantra from Shvetashvata Upanishad. Then Shankaracharya makes a point. So with this background, when you look at the universe, this is the reality which you are. Then he says this question of why all of this is there? Why so much bad? Why is not, are not things better off? He says, that question becomes illogical. He says, the Sanskrit here is, King Nimitta Yam Srishti Tiyatra Prashna Prativachanena Anupapanne. There is no logical answer to this question. Why is this variegated universe, this Srishti? What's the real cause behind all this misery, happiness? There is no ultimate answer. There is no logical answer to this. Because the question itself is wrong. But if you want an answer, well, all of this is meant for our spiritual enlightenment. But that's not even the final answer. Final answer, this question itself is wrong. There is one perfect reality and that you are. The last thing Shankaracharya quotes here is, uh, from, from Gita itself he quotes, he says, You, the pure consciousness, are enveloped as it were by ignorance. 
And that's why you feel you're deluded. That's why we end up asking, why is all this going on? The real answer is, it isn't. Open your eyes, it's all right. But we can't see that yet. And for that, whole of spiritual life is there to, to make this grand discovery. The next verse is, it follows um, logically. Avajananti maam mudha manushim tanumashritam parambhavam ajananto mamabhuta maheshwaram Fools deride me who have assumed a human body for they are unaware of my transcendent status as the great lord of beings. So people think I am Krishna, uh, this, this person who is driving the chariot of Arjuna. You know? And they do not see my transcendent nature. What is my transcendent nature? Three steps. I am an incarnation. They don't see that. I'm not a human being like rest of you caught in this cycle of Maya, caught in, in, in the machine of Maya. But I'm free. I'm here to help you. I'm incarnation. Through me, you get to freedom. This is basically the real meaning of the uh, biblical saying that nobody comes unto the Father except through me. It has led to so much fanaticism in the Christian world. that Christ clearly says, nobody comes to God except through me. That means through this person, Christ, that's it. And nothing else can be accepted. That just leads to a kind of very strange fanaticism. And uh, that means only this particular way is right and every other religion is false and so on. But what it, what it means is the incarnation is present here, incarnation of God. And every incarnation of God is a door to the infinite. Sri Ramakrishna says its incarnation is like a hole in a wall through which you can see through, through to infinity, from, to, to, to what is on the other side. So, first thing is they don't realize, fools don't realize that I am the incarnation. It's very difficult to realize actually. It's not the fault of the fools, but very difficult to realize. Avatar, incarnation. People don't realize this. Second, I'm the incarnation of God. Um, existence, consciousness, bliss, who pervades this entire universe, who is the creator, preserver, destroyer of this entire universe, the support of this entire universe, and all power and all goodness resides there, and all help resides there. People don't see that. And finally, transcendent nature actually means I'm Nirguna Brahman, I'm existence, consciousness, bliss, Satchit Ananda. They don't see it. Um, and they are deluded. They think they disregard me. No, he's Krishna, this, this guy, just this guy. They, they don't see that. And therefore, they are deprived of the threefold help they could get. One is the belief and faith in the avatar, the saving power of the avatar. By catching hold of the avatar, Krishna, Rama, Christ, you, you go beyond suffering, you go beyond karma, you are saved. That's one. Second, they... Uh, do not see me as God. Uh, higher than avatar, whose avatar, whose incarnation? God's incarnation. So this one God of all religions, this most, this great power. We see, we need help. All philosophy practices, you will see, for most of us, it's very difficult. We will be fascinated with it. When we try it out, we make very little progress. We need help. And there is help at hand. Krishna says, it's my higher nature as God. In Vedanta, Saguna Brahman, Ishwara, God of religion. And then even higher, third, Nirguna Brahma, 
That is the real meaning of my transcendent nature. What do you do with that Nirguna Brahman? You realize I am that. If you can do that, you are free here and now. It's done. If you can't do that, at least have faith in God. Hold on to God. Take refuge in God. If you can't do that, then um, take uh, have faith, refuge in the incarnation of God. The most powerful, easiest is to take faith, to have faith and take refuge in incarnation, whichever incarnation you, you feel attracted to. Um, and from that will come everything else. From the incarnation to God, from God to Nirguna Brahman, the Absolute, all of that will come. Then if you, one does not, what happens? A terrifying verse, but a very descriptive of, of the world and of uh, lives of people in the world. Twelfth verse. Moghasha Mogha Karmano Mogha Jnana Vichetasa Rakshasim Asurim Chaiva Prakritim Mohinim Shrita Futile are their desires, futile their works and futile their cognitions. They are mindless for they have resorted to the delusive nature of monsters and demons. So there are these three powers within us. Jnana Shakti, Icha Shakti, Kriya Shakti. Jnana Shakti means the power of knowledge, not consciousness as such. Consciousness through the mind. Consciousness plus mind gives us the power of knowing things. And then when we know things, then desire comes up. I must have that. I must have that gadget. I must do the, have that job. I must have that relationship. Why? Then I'll be full. I will be satisfied. Um, I will get in Sanskrit, tripti, fulfillment. Won't happen. I guarantee that. But we think. And it might, might work for a while. And that is so um, delusive. When he says, Icha Shakti. And then third is, we swing into action, karma. We want to get that. That degree, that honor, that job, that relationship, uh, that gadget, that, that much wealth, Facebook likes, all of that. Not Facebook, it's meta, meta now. So all of that we, we want, we swing into action. Jnana, knowledge, Icha, desire, karma, action, born of desire. And he says, those who do not catch hold of the avatar or God, or at least you see yourself as this pure consciousness, the Nirguna Brahman, one or two or all of these, if you don't catch hold of it, then when is there, uh, are there works? When are there desires? And when is there knowing? Whatever they know will be false. Why such beings? Because they know themselves as bodies and minds, as these limited creatures. And what, what do this is saying? Most people live lives of quiet desperation. Um, oh, by the way, I just remembered a few classes back, I had mentioned a philosopher and a writer whose name I couldn't recall. This is Colin Wilson. Colin Wilson. Uh, so he's this British writer. He, I think he wrote the book The Outsider or something. Uh, yes. Um, so he was very interested, especially in the uh, faculty of concentration, uh, focus, and the ability to make mystical breakthroughs by focus of mind. Um, he became very interested in the occult later on and so on. Uh, anyway, brilliant person. Um, but the knowing becomes wrong. I am this body. I have no idea of anything higher. And then I want things in this world. That alone will satisfy me. The desiring becomes wrong. 
and then the actions all become vain and you know egotistic and destructive he calls them rakshasas demons asuras um, you know monsters um, moha karma all their activities in the world they turn into dust in vain to the act nothing will be satisfying everything will end in dissatisfaction and unhappiness for them if sri ramakrishna says zeros and one if you don't have one no matter how many zeros you line up it's still zero and that's what our life will be reduced to if without spirituality i'm not saying vedanta or buddhism whatever or christianity but there must be genuine spirituality in our lives in the most broadest sense some way you must catch hold of that ultimate reality then only is there some peace then only you're building on strong ground whatever little progress we make in spiritual life that is the only thing that will remain to us at the end of our, of our lives and beyond death everything else will go away so moha karma of vain vain works the beginning of the that book imitation of christ powerful statement vanity of vanities all is vanity except to love the christ and to you know i forgot the rest of it there so as some spiritual intense spiritual urge a spiritual intention a spiritual aspiration that's the best thing that you can get in life otherwise it's all vain 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 as the buddha said impermanent impermanent all is impermanent momentary momentary all is momentary empty empty all is empty and therefore suffering suffering all is suffering anityam anityam sarvam anityam kshanikam kshanikam sarvam kshanikam shunyam shunyam sarvam shunyam dukham dukham sarvam dukham shankaracharya he comments here what is the nature of demons and if you see it will be a shock to us he says dehatmavadina they are the, those who say that the body is the self i am body and what do they think chindi mindi piva khada paraswam apahara ityevam vadana shilaha destroy smash eat drink make merry rob others deprive others of what is due to them and try to enjoy life don't care at all for anybody else and he says krura karmana of cruel deeds such beings and quotes from the um ishopanishad asurya namate loka demonic indeed are those worlds what worlds here right now we are in the midst of that this world is created out of our thoughts and feelings and ideas this is this is the demonic world the worlds of darkness that we uh, dwell in no wonder we suffer how can we not suffer if if our mindset is of this this is the knowledge this is the desire this is the action moga gyana in vain they know moga asha vain are their hopes moga karma moga karmana of vain activities or vain actions in life are they um, notice none of those uh, activities or desires or uh, knowledge none of them is wrong in itself if you add god to the mix spirituality to the mix one then all the zeros get value 
there is really no harm in 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 science or technology or money all of it's good that's how you build up civilization but you must have spirituality at the core of it some form take the most liberal view of it i don't i'm not insisting it has to be advaita way if it is from, from my perspective it's the best no comparison there but still uh, any other form we should not end today's class in, on such a depressing terrifying note so the next verse krishna is immediately uh, he gives words of great solace 13 mahatmanastu mam partha daivim prakritim ashrita bhajanti ananya manaso gyatva bhutadim abhyayam how poetic this beautiful verse but the great ones magnanimous persons those who have a very liberal broad nature resorting to their divine nature oh arjuna adored me single mindedly knowing me to be the imperishable source of all beings mahatma who is mahatma we all we are all mahatma so monks in india are often called mahatma mahatma like mahatma gandhi for example um, so anybody who is spiritual is called a mahatma but we are all mahatma because we all are seeking the highest what do these people do daivim prakritim ashrita they resort to their divine nature not demonic nature not the monstrous nature the divine nature but it's a it's an action it's a choice it's not that very few might be born with these uh, god like tendencies godly tendencies but the rest of us we have to make an effort to resort to that to take up those that that kind of nature and what do they do bhajanti ananya manaso single mindedly they focus on me in god either in devotion to god or in meditation or in the knowledge i am that all of them are valid you don't have to go to a temple and do puja if it is not so inclined you can meditate if you're not so inclined you can go the path of the upanishads and realize i am that all of them and they know me as bhutadim abhyayam at the beginning of all the worlds the beginning of all sentient beings at the source of all of them i am you are that i'll end with a beautiful story i just uh, heard recently the a very great mystic in india in modern times was anandamayi ma uh, so she lived in the north of india she was from east bengal and she lived there in north of india in the 19 i mean early part of the 20th century middle of the 20th century towards the like 50 60 70s i never saw her before my time um so at one time yogananda paramahamsa who started the self realization fellowship here he went back to india and he visited anandamayima um and she behaved just like a little girl she would behave like a little girl with everybody she ran to him and said father you have come at last Yogananda Paramahamsa had never met her, and uh, she was bemused. And then he said to her, "Mother, tell me a little bit about yourself." And then she said these words: "There isn't much to say about me, father. Before I was a little girl, I was the same. Then I was a little girl, I was the same. I grew up into this young woman, and I am still the same." over time all this will change and pass i will still remain the same that's all she said 
and Yogananda Paramahamsa wrote to her, wrote about her later. He said, I met this person who is forever one with the eternal, spontaneously, effortlessly one with the eternal. So Krishna says, that's what we all are. We all can say. It's a fact right now. Before I was born into this life, I was the same. As pure being, pure awareness, pure fulfillment. And right now I am the same. We don't see it. I'm still the same. It's perfectly all right. And over time, as time passes, these bodies age. And all sorts of problems come on the body. I'm still the same. It's not like a matter of rhetoric that positive thinking, I have to believe I'm all right. No, you actually are all right. And it can, see, either you believe it, because I'm saying so and the books are saying so, or you see for yourself and you'll see that actually it's true. I'm not saying the bodies will remain the same. They won't. I'm not even saying the minds will remain the same. Though if you have this knowledge in your mind, it will be more or less you know, um, tuned to a higher pitch. It will be much better off. Um, mind will always be awake. It will... Um, uh, dream, it will sleep. Sometimes it will go through ups and downs. But you will be the same. You will be fine. And one day these bodies will go away. Even at the point of bodily death and beyond bodily death, you will see that I am still the same and I am fine. And it was all so much fun. So, um, Krishna says, we are that. We should all be able to say honestly, I am the same. I was the same earlier. Here in this body, I'm still the same. And as these, this life will float away, I'll still remain the same and I'm fine. So on that upbeat note, not so easy. I'm reminded of Sri Ramakrishna's words. He says, tabla. When you learn to play the tabla. In Bengali, he said, tabla bol mukhe bola soja. Hate tola prashto. Difficult. It's easy to recite the rhythm of the tabla, the, the notes. You know, you can recite it. The student is supposed to recite it verbally. It's very difficult to play it actually on the tabla. That requires years and years and of hard work and practice. Good. Um, let me pray to Thakur Mahan Swamiji, Sri Ramakrishna, Masharada and Swami Vivekananda. May their blessings be ever upon us. May their protection be ever upon us. And may we make quick progress in spiritual life. They, that's what they want us to do. So may we flow in the divine, in the divine stream towards God realization. I often say in this very life itself, but I was reading in one place, Mahapurushmara, Swami Shivananda. He says, don't even pray like that. This life or that life, that is the calculation of petty-minded people. Surrender entirely to the Lord and be happy. He'll take care of it. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Parnamastu. We had some questions. Let me quickly take a look. Hmm. Okay, don't add any more questions. Um. I, I keep getting these questions about my forthcoming Singapore visit. The details will all be put up on our website, BSN my website in a few days. We are, I'm trying to put together a schedule which we can. So those who want to meet, meet me or attend my talks in India or Singapore can see that. Meeting me in Singapore, some people want to uh, know. 
um, that actually depends a lot on the schedule there and the Swami in charge of the Singapore ashram. So it's only closer to that date, the end of November. I'll go. I'll be in Singapore from second uh, December onwards. I'll be in Singapore for ten days. So it's closer to that date. I, I, I'll be able to say um, where what is a good time to meet apart from the talks. So, uh, details of the talks in Singapore, details of the talks in India, they will all be put up in by this weekend. I hopefully. Um, Swamiji, uh, how if Rajendra says, if God pervades this universe and is Im- immanent, how is it only an illusory uh, appearance? Why not manifestation? Yes, why not? Uh, from it's Shankaracharya's Advaita which says, universe is an appearance. Whereas uh, Vishishta Advaita, the other schools of Vedanta, they say this is this is real. Logically, it has to be an appearance. I will take the Advaitic position. Why? If God pervades the universe, didn't you just hear what Krishna said? I pervade the universe. Second, no, I don't really pervade the universe. I am, the universe is in me. Third, the universe is not in me. If the universe is not in me, not outside you, then what is this universe we are seeing? It's an appearance. It's not real in itself. What is an appearance? It's not that an appearance doesn't exist. If an appearance did not exist, then there would be no movies. There would be no fiction or Harry Potter books. So fiction is there. It's a kind of existence. Movies are there. It's a kind of existence. Dreams are there. It's a kind of existence. Virtual reality is there. It's a kind of reality. In fact, David Chalmers is now arguing you should treat virtual reality as reality. (laughs) But it's not the same grade of reality as Brahman. Swami Vivekananda puts it this way. Don't say false. Say we are going from lower truth to higher truth, not from falsity to truth. Fine. The old logicians of Advaita school will smile indulgently. Have it your way. But lower, what is lower truth? There's another fancy name, a politically correct name for falsity. People feel hurt if you say a world is false. So they just call it a lower truth. Fine. Girish says, if you're helpless, why does Krishna urge us to act as if you're free will? We have free will. We, Krishna is urging us to act on that much free will we have to catch hold of, of Krishna, of God, uh, or realize that you are Brahman, your own self. Uh, Shankaracharya here is alternating back between Ishwara, Atma. This is, this is God, Ishwara, or you can look at it as your own very self, your own inner reality, real, the real you. Next. Rama says, very confused. Good. That's our state. Everybody's confused. How can God be the witness and also be the creator and sustain this and not be the doer? Because God is not the doer. It's like, tell me, what are you for the words that you see in your dreams? Are you really the creator, preserver and destroyer? Are those real words there? Have you done anything actually? You haven't. They all appear to you and then they disappear back into you. So you are God for everything that happens in the dream. How is Vidya Maya, Vidya Maya? How is Maya related to karma? So Maya first and then uh, desire and then karma. Shankaracharya's phrase, avidya kama karma, avidya ignorance, which is because of Maya. And then um, avidya kama, desire, born of ignorance and then karma. 
then Shriram says, Swamiji, does Namasparanam help remove the inner talk? Ah, good, good. Namasparanam means repeating the names of God, remembering the name of God, say your mantra. Does it help in removing the inner talk? Certainly. It replaces the inner talk in a much more worthwhile way. Think about it. The kind of chatter that goes on in our minds. And think about the mantra given to you by your guru. This mantra and this particular thought, all these thoughts which keep coming. Which, which of these thoughts which keep coming habitually in our minds? Which of them is even close to being as worthwhile as that mantra? Nothing. Then why not repeat the mantra? You think only when you need to think. Otherwise, the mind is an instrument. Why let it run wild? Use it when it's needed to be used. Otherwise, keep it on guard. Ramya says, so don't keep asking more questions. I see newer and newer questions being asked, but I'll just stop now. Where Ramya says, um, Shankara says, Karmadhyaksha, the word not include dispenser of karma phala. How can it be witness alone? Yes. So Karmadhyaksha, absolutely. The supervisor of karma who records all the karma and gives the results of karma. But if karma, the world, cause and effect, all of these are appearances, in that case, what is the nature of this God, of this being? It must be consciousness, pure consciousness, pure witness. Patrick says, vanity of vanities and all is vanity except to love God and to serve him alone. Yes, this is the beginning of the imitation of Christ. Very powerful. If you are on a devotional path, this is pure devotion. This is real bhakti. Abhijit says, Sri Ramakrishna's example of zeros and ones, really beautiful. Seems Thakur was onto the bits and digital revolution a century before. Yes, ones and zeros. Mm, this is the, Patrick has given what uh, Anandamai Ma said. Um, Paramahamsa Yogananda has quoted this. I am the same. Ever, even afterwards, though the dance of creation changes around me in the hall of eternity, I shall be the same. How beautifully put. Old video of Yogananda and Anandamai Ma. Please see it. There is a black and white video available. <clears throat> 